All right, we welcome you to another episode of Learning Stories. This is a show where we interview a diverse set of learners from the 21st century. In each episode of this show, we profile a guest who has a story to share about how they acquired a set of skills and knowledge in a creative and innovative manner. In the process, we hope to uncover a new understanding of learning as conceptualized, imagined, and narrated by the guest in our show. Today's guest, Michelle D. Costa, um, has many hats. She is a human resource professional, um, a poet, uh, a literary editor, a podcast host, and also uh, a passionate uh, creative writing teacher. Um, a little bit more about her background uh, before we jump into this conversation that I'm really excited about. She was born and raised in Bahrain. Gulf uh, is her debut publication uh, that was released by Yavnika Press in 2021. Um, it is a poetry chapbook, and I will post a link to purchase a copy of the book in the show notes uh, that you can review right after. She co-hosts one of India's top uh, book podcasts. Um, uh, it's also an author interview podcast, and the title of that podcast is Books and Beyond with Bound. Her fiction and poetry can be found in several journals like Litro UK, Burfois, Out of Print, the Bombay Literary Magazine, and many more. Her poetry was listed, long listed, for the Toto Award for Creative Writing in 2021. She loves teaching and mentoring writers. And uh, in addition to this, uh, this life as an editor and um, a creative writer, she also uh, completed um, a Bachelor of Commerce degree from Mount Carmel College and a Master's of Business Administration degree from Christ University, post which she worked as an HR professional um, in the Middle East in a couple of companies. So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Michelle has had a very interesting uh, and uh, wonderful life. And uh, there's so much that um, we can unpack in this conversation. But Michelle, to get started, you know, I was reading through the review that uh, Jane Borges wrote about your collection of short, uh, your collection of poems. Um, congrats for that, uh, you know, to start off with. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for such an interesting introduction. I'm glad that you found all of that interesting. I mean, there was so much to put together there, but I think it's, you've led the life, so you know so much more <laughs> about it. But in that review, you know, I, I found it really interesting that there were a couple of things you spoke about, about how, you know, we read about a lot of memoirs that come from North America, where people talk about their life in the West, um, especially South Asians going and setting up their life in that country and uh, writing about that experience. But what I found refreshing about your poetry chapbook, and there was a, a short poem that uh, Jane actually put up in that review, is that that experience of um, an Indian growing up um, in the Gulf was something that there's a there's a big vacuum for that sort of uh, that sort of worldview. So you know, just to get started, Michelle. And that's how we normally start the learning stories interview is what was Michelle like growing up? And, you know, for someone that knows nothing about the Gulf, you know, what was it like growing up for Michelle in uh, Bahrain and in Oman? Um, yeah, in Bahrain. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So Oman, no, just, yeah, just Bahrain. Okay. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think growing up there was um, 
it was interesting uh, you know to say the least um i will always be grateful for our uh, so i studied in indian school and i'll always be grateful for our school library because that was my only uh you know exposure to literature um right i did not have i mean i still do not have any readers or writers in the family uh you know they are more of uh, oral storytellers so my parents keep telling me anecdotes from the past and all of that they love uh, sharing stories but you know not through the written word uh, right so that was entirely new to me and you know i just i remember going to the library and and borrowing uh nancy drew goosebumps you know sydney sheldon of course uh, i was i think too young for sydney sheldon at that point but i think that was my first exposure to to literature and i'll never never forget um those days i'll always be grateful for that of course later on as i met uh, writers who've had uh, you know better backgrounds so for example people who've had libraries at home and probably read the classics and could quote from the classics i did wish that our library would have been better but i can't complain because you know um, abhishek for me the gulf felt like this place where um there was a very limited scope for for literature right english writing if you uh notice there were books by british and american authors like it, it's quite common right so enid blyton and all of them jk rowling which i mean very good writers very good books but i mean there's a very limited um exposure so um you know so later on uh so those were my growing up years and if i can add a bit to that i felt pretty um uh, you know uh, well below average in school i was always a, just an average student i didn't probably feel very much inclined towards academics and all of my friends were multi talented they were amazing like you know either it could be sports it could be singing dancing whatever you know you name it they were amazing and and i always wondered what am i good at you know i wanted i loved that validation that feeling of you know getting a trophy getting a certificate and i never i never had that i remember i had participated in i think a drawing contest a sketching contest and they had given me a participation certificate and and i and i felt so happy but then again i was like okay but i didn't win anything right so am i really good at sketching so i think this is something that kept running around in my mind and i always wondered what am i good at so you know just before passing out of school that is i think uh, in my 11th grade was the first time when i thought okay let me try if i don't try i would never know what i'm good at so earlier i had uh, tried i think a singing contest earlier i think i tried sketching as i told you but it never clicked i had stage fright so i was an introvert so nothing worked out but then just before passing out i uh, participated in our um, writing contest and i won the second prize and that was it that validation kind of gave me this this you know signal you know to write because i love stories i figured that around uh, you know 6th 7th grade that i really loved stories but i didn't know whether i could write any so that was how i think i i ventured into writing and uh, that's and that's amazing i mean you, you speak so passionately about you know your love for writing from a very young age michelle you know but i'm curious about um just building on what you said michelle what was your experience in some of the other classes you know because i'm i'm trying to understand how did that inclination to you know study a particular subject eventually develop at university you know what was uh your experience in the math class like what was your experience in the science class like you know what was there anything about these subjects that you were interested in also like growing up as a young girl in the gulf you know uh, what would you do in the evenings once school was done 
and uh, you know just to give people a picture of life in the middle east but also maybe of your favorite teachers and other people that had an influence on your thinking growing up including close family members yeah thanks for asking that it's quite uh, interesting because i will never forget those teachers who who encouraged me right so we had an economics professor and he by coincidence he was also de costa <laughs> but not but not a mangalorean or a goan he was from kerala but he was an amazing teacher like the way he he decoded economics rather you know the way he explained for example supply and demand you know something that that can be very complicated to ordinary people he made it so simple for us you know and i just loved that i loved his passion to teach and i remember people used to just uh, students used to run and you know wait for his notes they would literally copy his notes there was this frenzy to to you know get his notes uh, just before the exam so he was he was our teacher and apart from that in maths classes oh god so i i still have this phobia you know sometimes i get nightmares of of not turning up for a maths paper or something like that or not able to uh, you know complete it on time so i did not like maths uh, at all i remember i i always uh, i used to go for tuition so if you ask me what i did after school and i would spend uh, the rest of the time tuitions because i realized i need help um with maths so i i think in my 10th grade um i i came across this teacher and i again will never forget her because she was one of those who who was non judgmental right i have met teachers in my life who are who are judgmental so th- we had this math sir of course i won't name him i don't remember his name also i guess uh he taught us maths in the 11th grade and uh, i i think i failed in the, in the test or something like that i scored very less and he asked me you know he said Oh, what's your performance like in other subjects because i think he was curious you know and i said i'm okay in other subjects it's just maths and he said okay uh, but you need to work harder because it's clearly not reflecting um you know but yeah maths has always been this this bone of contention uh but yeah so there was a tuition teacher i came across and she made maths fun like i couldn't imagine maths could be fun <laughs> you know she broke it down be it, be it you know dry subjects or or complex things like algebra or trigonometry or whatever and i used to love it that's a different thing that it didn't translate to marks i i freaked out in the in the boards and you know that really brought down my percentage but what i can say is i loved learning when i was with her when she taught i think she taught me for 3 years but i would love that uh, atmosphere mainly because she was not judgmental she broke it down as if as if i was a child like like you know you're explaining maths or the concepts of maths to a child and i really liked that approach yeah interesting and and what are like yeah i mean i mean that's that's so important right michelle because sometimes like our ex- early experiences with a subject can actually influence our perception of what that subject is and when we make decisions about choosing a particular stream or choosing a particular profession we often turn back to our experiences in you know a particular classroom to say if we can you know do those particular pathways well but you know apart from the yeah sorry yeah apart from the academic side michelle you know like for like because i grew up in the gulf and what i found really fascinating about you know the initiative to write that poetry chap book was the title of the book was the gulf right so yes, for, yeah. for someone that hasn't grown up in the gulf what are five things that you think kids that grow up in the gulf have that other kids don't really have oh wow something unique <laughs> about their experience in the gulf 
Oh, very interesting. I don't think anyone has asked me uh, that before. In fact, you know, for a long time, I thought uh, Gulf students had this uh, had had something lacking because right. because for what I used to hear, you know. So when I went to Bangalore for the first time to pursue uh, my higher education. I kept hearing, you know, oh, Gulf kids are so privileged. Gulf kids are dumb. And I'm like, what? I have, I have never felt like that, you know. But I think what they mean is, you know, Indians were more street smart or they were more competitive by nature, right? Because of the crowd, because of the population. So, I mean, of course, I can't uh, stereotype or I can't say five things, um, uh, you know, that Gulf uh, kids probably have because I think I led a, a kind of a different life like I mean I was an introvert so I didn't really hang out much uh, with people but I do know that there were some Indian kids who always went to clubs right so we had these ethnic clubs you know Mangalorean uh, club the Govan Singers Club and all of that so I do know that some children had a more social life so I can say that yes it might their, their personality might have been more rounded had they you know gone out so but one thing I'll say is the Gulf has everything a lot of people think, you know, especially Bahrain, they think it's like Saudi. And, and that's something I've tried, that myth I've tried to bust through my writing, right? So, you know, whenever I meet anybody, first thing, you know, they always say, oh, how's Dubai? I say, no, I'm not from Dubai. <laughs> the Gulf is not just Dubai, right? There are many places. Um, and the second thing is, it's not like Saudi. So so what I'll say is, you know, if, if somebody wanted to explore uh, different sides to themselves, there were opportunities. It's just that I was an introvert and I probably didn't uh, make the most of what was available. And, and later on, when I went to college, that was the time when I really um, accessed the, those sides to me. But otherwise, I'll say it was a, I would say, very privileged life. Like I'm blessed to have grown up there. My parents have you know, tried their best to give me the kind of life that they envisioned. And I'll always be grateful for that because I, I mean, only after speaking to people do I realize that not everyone, you know, has probably been blessed with all of these things. So I'll always be grateful for that. Yeah, and I, I completely relate to that, Michelle, because uh, like I grew up in the Gulf in the same school. We both went to the same school as well. And I think you, you graduated yeah. a couple of years before me. But I think what was unique about my experience in the Gulf was just this idea of always trying to understand my identity in that world too. You know, I was I was watching another movie recently um, about uh, the immigrant experience in Australia, and the character in that movie was uh, was South Asian and uh, was actually from India. And she said that we're always stuck in this world where you know we're not uh, we're not Indian enough to be Indian, we're not Australian enough to be Australian. Yeah. You know, we're in this middle space trying to find out if we're part of this world or that world. You know, and and I think yeah. that like a like a term they use for that is a is a third culture kid. You know, a yes. third culture kid that navigates both these identities and you know tries to understand that world. But I but I completely agree. I think there are it, it is a in addition to being a comfortable life, it's also a life that you know that has its own um, pressures and challenges, right? You know, most yes. of our parents were professionals over there, and. Um, you know, they had their own jobs to look after. And, you know, they tried their best to give us, you know, a comfortable yeah, life. And, and, if, and if I can add to that, so the job security is something that only I understood later, right? So because in the Gulf, you don't have a visa, right? You have this work visa, it's a contract, it renews for two years. And and of course, growing up as a kid, I didn't understand. So, you know, even when my parents would, would come on vacations, right, to Mumbai, 
they were constantly on calls and and i used to ask i think i used to ask my dad uh, why are you on call you're on vacation and then he said no but what if what if i get replaced and i never understood that you know but but apparently that's the thing uh, they were really worried about their jobs you know that's why they worked i would say harder yeah. otherwise i mean had they probably been in in a country where they were assured of at least a citizenship or whatever it would have been a little better so this was something that i didn't probably realize when i was growing up but now it it makes sense to me. Yeah. True and and that point you actually brought up about citizenship it's it's different from moving to maybe uh North America where people get an opportunity to transfer their residency into something more permanent. In the Middle East it's very unlikely or it's a lot harder to convert, you know, like for instance my family stayed in the Middle East for over 20 to 25 years but it was a lot harder to convert that into an actual citizenship and a lot of our parents you know spend so many years in a particular company um i mean there are financial rewards but you don't have that actual certainty of staying in that particular place you know so i think that is another experience that is unique to an immigrant and in in that sense i think i remember listening to a talk between you and tara about the uh, migrant experience on the books uh, and beyond podcast where you spoke about the So what is the difference between a migrant and an immigrant Michelle I, I know you brought that up in that conversation too Uh Abhishek can you give me one minute please Yeah sure no problem Just one second No problem So while Michelle comes back you know just to give you um a little more about uh, Michelle's work Michelle has a really interesting uh, literary journal and I will be posting a link to that um the podcast that she hosts um they now have four seasons of episodes um it should be available on most uh, podcasting platforms so and I have I've spent uh, like a, a lot of wonderful hours listening to episodes on that podcast with authors like Amitav Ghosh um and and i think they have a stellar collection of authors manu pillai abhintav ghosh so do do please check that out and again i'll link that in the show notes but sorry michelle i was just giving them a little more about your journey but yes. michelle you know that difference between a migrant and an immigrant you know because i think that plays a very important role i mean that theme uh is represented again and again in your writing and i wanted to break that down a little more from your your perspective Right so that's something i did not know earlier um because i have been thinking a lot about this you know about who is a migrant or who is an immigrant because i've been uh, googling a lot of uh, writers who are um, you know migrants um i what i i mean this is the definition that i came across is that uh, an immigrant is somebody who leaves their home country and then eventually makes another country home right so they, so they settle there right it's it's not it's rarely i would say that they come back um to their place so then i realized that we are migrants i mean gulf the the people who go to the gulf why because you always return home it's it's rare that you get to call uh, the gulf as your home right eventually uh, i would say where you settle so it's more like we are temporary uh, people who go there you know migrants constantly moving uh, you know and then you're you're always back to your home country right it could be any place i mean you know pakistan sri lanka india whatever so so that is the biggest difference a migrant is somebody who eventually returns to their home country interesting yeah and i think that even the the understanding of the expat community in the middle east i think our 
experience was limited because we were surrounded by people that were primarily from South Asia, but there were, yeah. uh, you know, immigrants and migrants from uh, other countries like the UK, um, yes. the US that actually, you know, called uh, the Middle East home as well. So, and I think that's really interesting to understand. But, you know, Michelle, I'm thinking about that transition. Now you've spent like over 18 years in Bahrain, you know, and I know, um, so why did you decide to study what you studied at university and what was the thinking that led up to that? You know, because one of the reasons we do this podcast is to, you know, try and understand how your thinking has evolved over time, right? So, I mean, why the choice to study what you studied and why did you choose that particular city? Uh, that you eventually decided yeah. to settle down in? Okay, so um, I I think never wanted to continue studying in Bahrain. And uh, it, this might sound funny uh, or it might sound very snobbish, but this was what I had heard, that only failures stay back. I mean, seriously, that's, that's something that I kept hearing. And I said, oh my God, but I'm not a failure. <laughs> you know, like... Um, it was really weird, you know, um, Abhishek, like if I think about 11th and 12th, right, the grade, even even choosing the commerce stream, it was like a hierarchy, right? So there was science, then there's commerce and there's arts. And, you know, I kept thinking to myself, oh, at least I'm not in arts. Can you believe it? Like somebody who loves arts so much, I, I said, okay, at least I'm not among them because you know, the kind of things that people spoke about them, it was, it was just so bad. They said that, oh, those are all failures just because they couldn't make it, make it into the other stream, they were, you know, the lesser uh, intellectual people, it was really bad. Okay, so that was 11th and 12th. And after that, um, it felt like a natural progression, because I'd chosen commerce in 11th and 12th, I definitely knew I wouldn't uh, want to do science. I liked biology, that's something I loved out of all the three streams, physics and chemistry, I, you know, I could never ever get the concepts right. And I, I was very curious about how others learned. So I, we had some family friends who took science and I, and I think I asked one of them, uh, you know, how do you memorize or not? How do you memorize? How do you understand chemistry um, equations? Because, you know, they were really, really long equations or whatever. And he said, oh, I just turned it into a song. And I found that so creative, you know, like I never thought of that. Like, I mean, he was, he definitely had um, an inclination towards science, but then he he also said that, see, you can't, uh, uh, you can't learn in a robotic manner, right? You will eventually uh, saturate. So then he used to turn it into a song, but then I knew that I would never uh, uh, manage science. So I didn't want to just take it for the sake of it and then, you know, drop out and all of that. Uh, commerce is something I, I thought is okay. It's fine. It's definitely way better than taking humanity. So gosh, it was so funny. Anyway, so after I took that, I did my BCom uh, because it was a natural progression, like I said. But and, and how I chose Bangalore, I think it just happened because um, Bombay didn't seem to have a very, um, uh, you know, safe kind of uh, residence for women. Something, you know, when we spoke to a lot of cousins and all of that, they said that, okay, we might have paying guest accommodations, but there are not many hostels for girls. So my parents, you know, said, because they're sending me for the first time to a different country, they said, okay, you know, might as well you um, go to a place which has a good uh, hostel uh, facility for girls. So then, you know, when we spoke to cousins, they said, why not Bangalore? Bangalore is pretty much like Bombay, good, you know, good um, uh, education wise. I mean, it's really good and all of that. So it just happened. Uh, I got admission in Mount Carmel, but because of the fact that it was not just a commerce college, right? It had um, science, arts, and all of that. I was able to speak to other people who were very much into the arts, right? So um, 
there were students whose parents were journalists they were you know much into this like from very long time and, and it was really fascinating i loved the the contest there were lots of contests so i think earlier you know i got like in school i did not participate in anything and now i got out of my shell i said if i don't do it now when uh, when will i so even though i took commerce i i, I will never forget my english teachers and uh, they tell me that they will never forget me the reason is because uh, you know they they told me that the students that they had in their english classes right i mean the humanities courses apparently they said you know some of them uh, already knew everything so it's kind of like you know the classic you can always read on your own you can always understand on your own you don't have to really you don't need someone to teach you so it was kind of like they didn't feel appreciated in those classes and and i would just go and harass them all the time you know after class i would be standing outside in the um, uh, you know teachers room all of that and i would just i don't know i was just shameless you know i was so hungry to understand you know what what um, a piece meant like an english text meant and like you said in school which subjects uh, i liked i loved english i always loved english that's something i realized i loved but i couldn't you know i didn't have the tools to express that love for it and mainly because i didn't know what i could do with english in the future that was the main thing you know because i know that my parents were very hard working they they told me that you need a job to sustain yourself and i knew that english kind of doesn't translate to to those kind of opportunities so yeah but i think it was in college where i really really um started writing you know started writing and and gaining feedback so i kept uh hounding my teachers for feedback and, and it was it was lovely i i would never exchange those years for anything else it was really really interesting yes there were times where i thought okay why you know i should have probably studied um literature but then i obviously wouldn't have had the path uh that i've had so far so it would have been very different yeah oh yeah and yeah and i think you know that the, what i've noticed about you michelle is your is you're extremely curious right and i think that is something that defines your uh, you know personality you always want to know more about the world you want to and i think even then that that was very prevalent in your uh, you know demeanor and so once you were done with your uh, bachelor of commerce course which is a course in you know uh, in, in the commerce field so what did you do right after that and uh, how did you eventually end up taking up that next degree oh i actually took a gap year just like you okay. uh, but but you know when i read uh, your uh, interesting uh, i mean experiences throughout your gap year i mean i felt like oh my god i wasted my time <laughs> so i didn't really do anything one thing was i wanted i wanted a relaxed year actually so the thing is because i was away from home and uh, you know i wasn't eating well the hostel food sucked as you, as as you can expect um so you know i wanted to take this you know relaxing year and figure out what i want to do next uh, you know so my parents were very supportive the other ones actually who suggested a gap year and they said you know just chill just relax see what you want to do so i did a couple of internships in hr because that's something i realized that again uh, in in bcom you know there are like you know accounts as business there's a lot um, i liked hr out of all first because it's a theory subject i prefer theory um subjects and I, and i realized that that's something i like i like talking to people i like you know knowing um about people so yeah uh, so then in my gap year i did a little bit of writing as well i think i did a lot of writing yeah actually so it was 2012 that was the time when i um figured out the whole world of literary magazines 
so honestly if if those if literary magazines weren't around i don't know if i'd been writing today because i honestly didn't have any kind of guidance right like you know otherwise someone tells you okay this is how you should write this is where you should submit and all of that kind of so it's kind of like figuring out the abc so i would spend hours uh reading literary magazines and and then i would look for volunteer positions right like editorial positions and also what i figured was i probably will never do a course i can maybe learn on the job that's something i was very uh, keen on doing right so i applied and, and you know there were very kind people who gave me chances and that's something that i would uh, i think i'm eternally grateful for because it's just through these experiences that i've learned be it writing be it editing or all of these things so yeah i think that's what i did in my gap year and then i you know i uh, toyed with the idea of doing uh, literature or even psychology that's something i was i was interested in but then again you know thinking about the job prospects at the end of the day i did my mba so i i went back to bangalore but this time i studied in christ university and it was very tough in fact they had like five rounds of of interviews or whatever and you know you have to write your cat and mat and all of that so i did that and yeah and and again very very interesting experience um in my mba it was very hectic though it was a trimester system which was something which you know like 3 3 months so you don't really have that space to 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 i would say understand the concepts and then apply them you know like you have in a semester system so a trimester system i figured is is very very hectic and apparently they did it for a purpose they said that if you are able to handle this kind of pressure you will be able to handle uh, pressure at the workplace so apparently that is the idea behind the structure um and all of that and again there there were a couple of teachers who when they came to know that i write they were very supportive so so you know i find that quality very interesting because even with my parents for example what i mean is if if somebody knows where you're coming from or if somebody has probably had a certain kind of world view of of the arts or something i think it's easier to support uh that but but these people they really did not have any idea about writing and usually they think writers are you know they they don't make anything of themselves you know they are very erratic people and all of that and uh, yet they supported me so that's something that's always stayed with me yeah, yeah and and that's amazing michelle like you know like and i i think there's there's a beauty to also learning anything in life right any knowledge that you learn yeah, is exactly. useful in the long run and i think you know when you think about some of the subjects you would have studied in commerce and the mba program um, at the undergraduate and postgraduate level a lot of these subjects you know can help you understand you know the world, the way the world works you know in terms of how business organizations work um what are the processes that need to be put in place to make sure they have a day to day stability and you know whether you become whether you take it up as a profession having that understanding actually helps you you know uh, understand the world a lot better because the principles the you know the first principles you learn in economics accounts or you know hr they can be translated across contexts and you know, across the world and i feel like that is definitely something you know that uh, that is that that is really important and and again i think what's really uh, interesting about your journey is that every profession has something beautiful or important to offer the world right it's about how that aligns with your value system in terms of what you think your role in the world is right so again in this conversation you know we're 
we're not trying to put any other we're not trying to reverse the hierarchy in terms of you know setting another thing on a pedestal it's again like we're trying to like you know and and i feel that's really important that conversation about you know the possibility of having uh, a variety of ideas of what it means to be human right and 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 maybe when someone listens to this story michelle about how you navigated this story i think there will be a, a lot more certainty that you know there is the other pathway possible as yeah. well that that you have you know navigated uh, without too many references when you started so maybe someone that is interested in the same pathway can actually look at your journey and you know carve out a path uh, for themselves so you did work um, in an hr role for a couple of years after this right michelle and um yeah yeah what was that experience like for you yeah so and if i can add to that uh, uh, you know there's one advantage of of studying um, uh, something apart from writing or literature and this is something i i want to advise i mean anybody who wants to be a writer right uh, one reason is that it's always a backup because because i mean i'll be very honest here there's not much money in writing not much i mean pretty much not at all <laughs> you know so what i mean is it's not a discouraging thing but at least until things get better you can always do it as a freelance you can always be a freelance writer you can always do it on the side but if you probably look at it as as your only option it might not be great if you're looking to earn a living right if that's something that's that's you're very uh, focused about if you really want to stand on your feet i would say please be a little realistic and if you have another degree it's it's always a backup that's all and another thing is uh, one thing that i realize now is that any kind of experience like you said um, you know you shouldn't diminish it because a- as a writer i think it's always material uh otherwise you're constantly looking you know like what what should i write about next what should i but if you've had lived if if you have lived experiences if you've met different people spoken to different people that gives you definitely gives you a, a different way of looking um at things um yeah um so actually after my degree um i had a tough time i went back home i went back to bahrain um i did not want to you know um a work in india because i was kind of homesick i was missing my parents well, it's so interesting me... before you go ahead yeah. Michelle, it's interesting that you said home was bahrain right and you are you are from india yeah. but you said home was bahrain right so you still have right. oh, okay. that notion of home yeah. being bahrain at that point yeah right? i didn't realize that i just it just yeah yeah you keep going correct because i think home is where family is for me that's always been now uh, you know thing like if they were in india probably i would have thought india is home so you know i wanted to go back home i wanted to be with them like i wanted to be with family and so i went back um and i had a very tough time finding a job so this was a very rude awakening because i was told if you have an mba you will get a job but it wasn't easy at all it was a recession uh, time in bahrain actually it was in 2015 um i think yeah it was in 2015 it was very bad and and no matter who who we spoke to everyone said oh had she done finance or oh, she would have got a job so easily or had she done marketing she like everything except hr it was <laughs> it was really funny you know then yeah so i there were, there were, like i think i spent 8 or 9 months without having a job i i think i did some internships then finally um there was an opening in the newspaper actually so gdn right and and i just applied because i was just losing my mind sitting at home you know because knowing that my friends were placed they uh, they they were already into jobs so i didn't want to waste more time um i i became very anxious and then i applied and then i worked there for quite some time it was a very interesting role uh but then i you know i had to set the back of my mind that i've studied hr right there's always you have the thing because you've 
uh, spent five years uh, doing a particular course and then you wonder what now. So then I got into an HR role. Uh, I was lucky. Then probably things opened up. Uh, so uh, it was a generalist role where I could do like, you know, uh, different things. So there's recruitment, payroll, uh, basically all aspects um, of HR. And I had a lot of fun uh, um, doing that. Yeah. So I worked there for three years. And but one thing I'd like to say is what you study in theory is very different from what it is like in the workplace. You learn things on the job. Really, like what I mean is you don't have to have a degree in HR to, to probably, it's it's not like probably rocket science to crack it, but you'll have to um, understand how a corporate works. It's, it's more like people management, more like temperament where you'll have to learn how to, you know, uh, also be diplomatic. So I kind of struggled with that. I'm a pretty honest uh, person. So I, I learned to, um, you know, to understand um, things better. How do you work in a corporate? How do you, how do you tackle? Because, you know, HR was always like this, um, middle point so we had to kind of navigate the management and the you know the the people the staff so it 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 was a very good learning experience it's nice that you took up both these uh, career pathways at the same time right michelle you took up the editing thing for some time and then you took up the hr thing because i know like in addition to working in that hr role you were probably constantly reading and writing you know on the side and and you yeah know, yeah using... so so my work used to end by 5 yeah. And the moment I was, and actually I was looking forward, to, I mean, I keep looking forward to that, you know, 5pm when, when the clock is going to strike five, because that kept me going because mm-hmm. I had a good work-life balance. I'll say that's one good thing about the Gulf. So when my work ended by five, I would just come back and I knew, you know, my books were waiting for me. I would read, I would write, I would also watch a lot of films. So I am a big, uh, sorry, I'm a big cinema buff. So I love watching films or, or, you know, TV shows, anything that that has a good story. And and that um, kept me going. So I didn't really have a social life. My friends left and then they came back to India or different places and all of that. So it was just me and and my writing and my reading and all of that. And that sustained me, you know, like even if I didn't probably find that fulfillment in my job, I, I was so happy because I had the space and time to do what I wanted to do after that. Interesting. So what were some of the books and films that you saw that you'd recommend to, um, you know, a lot of the viewers? And, and again, you can actually go back in time and maybe list out three books yeah. and three films that uh, that have really, you know, shaped your thinking. And it doesn't have to mm. be for writing. It could be thematic or it could be um, anything else, too. Right. So there is an um, Iranian movie that I would want people to watch. It is, I mean, if you're into watching foreign films, um, so I love watching foreign films with subtitles. Of course, I don't understand many languages, um, but I love watching uh, subtitles. And I mean, I love watching films through subtitles. And I also like observing the body language because sometimes you don't need to understand the language that much. You can just observe and understand. So there's one movie called A Separation by Asghar Faradi. So he's a very famous Iranian Filmmaker, and I love that movie. I love the way he's, I, I kind of, I'm drawn to domestic stories. I don't know why, you know, families and stuff about um, home. That's so why I really like that, especially because it covered class very well. Again, I, it's, as you said, there are certain themes which keep coming up. So I love, you know, stories about home, about class, where, where they explore class differences very well. And this was a different culture, right? This is in Iran. So it was very interesting to see that, um, so that's one film. Another, I have this book beside me. I keep rereading it. It's The Revolutionary Road by Richard Yates. So it's a movie um, also by the famous Titanic uh, couple. So it, it became huge, right? I mean, adaptations don't usually 
make it that big but then this is a very famous adaptation but i'll want people to read it or watch it because again it's it's about this family it's about these interesting dynamics between the husband and wife and and you know all of that so that's another one um another book that i already recommend is never let me go by kazumo ishiguro uh so if you like uh, sci-fi if you like speculative fiction it's not really speculative fiction because that turns off certain other readers who don't like uh sci-fi it is a very very interesting story about three friends actually it is just about that it's about friendship it's about love it's about very ordinary things that you know people can relate to so um i like that um i don't think any other uh, yeah i have another book by my uh table this is the sense of an ending by julian barnes again an amazing book wow like this i was totally mind blown by his use of language and, and you know philosophy and all of that and it's a very thin book i mean you could finish it like you know quickly so i'll recommend these of course i have like a huge list but uh, right now i think these are uh, my top recommendations but apart from these abhishek what i recommend everyone is to read and watch south asian work right indian uh, indian writers indian works because if you keep reading white authors if you keep reading only you know booker prize winners or all these things you won't really understand how your culture how your identity can come into play right so to just give you a very simple example i grew up playing with barbie dolls right and barbie dolls back then were white they had blonde hair and i always felt you know why do i look different from these like i just kind of thought like i should look blonde <laughs> when i saw these dolls you know and now i'm i'm so happy to see that like barbie has evolved right the franchise you can see dolls of various ethnic um experiences so yeah i think the world has kind of improved stepped in the right direction so yeah i would recommend people reading south asian authors and for recommendations you can definitely check out the podcast you know like you mentioned uh books and beyond with bound we've interviewed lots of indian writers pakistani writers as well so yeah yeah i think you you make some very very important points there michelle you know like uh, like listening to you like even talk about the books that you really enjoyed again askar faradi someone i have really appreciated for a long time i know he studied uh, drama when he was at university and i saw a couple of his other films and he is just a brilliant filmmaker and i'm going to look up the books that uh, you suggested as well i was looking for some new fiction recommendations so thanks for that but i i've always looked at fiction like this is just like i'm just adding on to what you said michelle as a way to extend your experience of life you know and in addition to like because i studied literature you know i actually did literature at the undergraduate level i love reading literature. i so envy you abhishek <laughs> for that i mean it's interesting that's awesome like i yeah. if you think about it you would be someone that actually practiced what what i learned in terms of so your pathway is more applied in that sense so even though i study it i do teach it at a more basic level but i think what i what i really wanted to you know uh, say was that i love reading fiction for language you know the beauty of how uh, different parts of speech come together to form a sentence uh why the person created a particular sentence why is it not a simple sentence why is it a complex sentence and even the punctuation sometimes tell you something about the character right in terms of why was the pause there and this is why i really like reading fiction aloud you know because and i i because i teach it you know in in grade 5 whenever you read fiction you notice that each character has a different voice right 
and if you ask a, a particular yes. reader to read a story the way they represent that character's voice is also very unique to them and exactly. i feel, yeah. and i feel like that relationship is so important is that what do you bring to the book as a reader right because you are co-creating the story with the author and the characters in that story right and and because your experience growing up in a particular place is as important to the evolution of this story because in this story would mean something very different to you because if you think about the idea of uh, let's say loss or grief like the way like michelle processes grief is very different from the way like abhishek processes grief right and i think what authors try and navigate i think the really good authors what they do is they don't tell you or define things you know they present an experience and they leave it for you to interpret what that experience is and i feel like sometimes when you see someone experience something in a book for instance you read a love story you also experience some of those emotions that those characters are going through i know in your brain there is this particular neuron called like a mirror neuron like when you see something you're actually you know feeling the same thing as well so i'm pretty sure that happens to you know each one of us and i know and because you write so much right michelle like i i what what i've always noticed about really good writers is that they're also very good readers right so because you've read for such a long time you know like you're such a competent reader how does someone read well you know like when you read a book what are some of the things you do and what are some of the things you try looking for how do you start you know navigating the story and this is also for someone that is not really interested in reading fiction as much you know how would you build it up for them and give them some you know some suggestions to get started on that journey i think uh, this is the most interesting part of the podcast so far for me because i mean i can talk about fiction for hours right it's it's my favorite um, form so um i would say see it for me the curiosity to read uh, came out of the need to become a writer i think mainly like what i mean is my reading evolved because i wanted to be a better writer uh, so i started reading things closely right and and because i did not have a background um in literature also one second yeah no problem again i'll i'll be putting up the the recommendations that uh, michelle shared in the show notes so please do you know look up those books and films um in the show notes also you can follow michelle on substack she writes a really nice newsletter called mish's muse and uh, she talks about books and films that she's seen sorry michelle go ahead i was just telling them other things they can explore in your writing but but yeah go ahead give me one second no problem no problem sorry while michelle's just uh, okay michelle's back that's awesome. yeah 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 i'm back so sorry, sorry. michelle um, can we can we yeah. go 10 minutes about the time we've scheduled for this michelle yeah I, yeah sure I, i don't want to take too much time from your day as well no 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 sure sure perfect Fine. yeah yeah Yes so um as i said see i evolved as a reader because i wanted to be a better writer 
okay and because i did not have a background in literature i was i i had to learn uh, by basically practically seeing the, you know its application on on in the text right so for example as you said every character has a different voice i wanted to see for example how does a writer do that right and and i could only do that by seeing examples so for example what i did was um i i'm you know I, because of the internet because of opening up of you know all these uh, connections i just reached out to writers so when i would read the book and of course if they are alive and i'm usually i read uh, contemporary work so i pretty much most of the writers are alive um i would reach out and i would just ask them questions so that's how my journey into uh, journey with interview started actually so i would just ask them questions about the craft and i would be like how did you do this you know basically i was trying to learn okay and that was the aim uh behind it, i was very curious about these things and and these questions kept you know running around in my head and i thought okay why not ask them what were they some were of those questions that you asked them? um like um so for example the first author that i interviewed was this african writer called tendai huchu and and i come to know of his work through a magazine uh, so we were published in a magazine together uh and i read his book and i found it very interesting that he had certain um um icons in the book right so you have the text and then there he was trying to explain the game of pacman you know the game we used to play uh back in our days and there were these actual icons of the pacman that i found it very curious very interesting you know i thought okay um i wanted to know for example what was his editor's reaction did you did you you know just uh, was it something that was welcomed right because i wanted to know that apart from text can you add other things if you were trying to show you know for example now we have gifs we have emojis how do you portray that on on paper so i mean my doubts could be anything but i i felt like if i asked them and if they probably gave me you know a reply i would be satisfied with that so my uh, interviews are usually very long and it's kind of like the authors are just like oh my god rachel you know shut up but i i asked them whatever i want to you know kind of like i'm i'm curious about um for example uh, is it maybe from their life you know i mean if if it's a probably a painful traumatic experience they're writing about is it something they've experienced or it could be anything i was just you know curious to get the answers uh so yeah and so for tips uh, for others to read well i would say see always start with something you're comfortable with right so i began obviously reading things that i could read uh, back then right like goosebumps sydney sheldon all that please don't feel intimidated and think that oh if if somebody is probably reading ayn rand or of you know more intellectual um stuff or that people consider um intellectual do not you know uh, i would say be hard on yourself and try to uh, read that just to fit in right just just find your path i think i think the key is to keep reading never stop never stop reading and i think evolving is, is something that you know maybe not every uh, individual has right like you said maybe some don't want to read as much of fiction or maybe somebody doesn't want to become a writer so for me there has been a certain path because i've clearly you know known that i like fiction and i want to evolve as a fiction writer but for other people i'll say just read whatever you can don't have this kind of mindset where you can only read certain things that is the biggest drawback i feel you know where where you constantly judge the kind of writing where you think okay this is not the kind of work i would be interested in sometimes you'll be surprised what things really uh, what you learn right so i i remember this experience from uh, college i was doing my mba um and you know i didn't pretty much like most of the subjects uh but then we were encouraged to write papers so they said if you have research papers it it adds to your uh, credentials so i remember doing a paper uh, researching for a paper uh, i wanted to focus on creativity 
and actually through education okay so the reason i'll tell you why is because you know we had a lot of um, group activities right where they would group us in five to six people and it almost always happened that they would stereotype a person like they would say oh uh, michelle you are the quick one you write this down uh, you are the organized one you uh, write all the points down or whatever and, and you know you're the creative one you think of ideas you're the logical one you come up with the numbers and i always felt like why like how do you know i'm i'm you know i'm just this i could i could have other abilities and i felt that was very um, stifling so what i did was i did a little bit of research and i found it very inter- like the things that i came across were very interesting i don't think i would have come across them had i not read those books so i read books about learning i read books about there was a book called um, the woman who changed her brain i'm not sure if you um, if you've come across that but uh, uh, it was a woman with some learning uh, disabilities i believe and she was constantly told that she would never learn i mean she would never grasp uh concepts that others did and she challenged herself and literally what she was trying to say was you can change the wiring of your brain you can rewire uh things the more different experiences that you have so that was a very very interesting experience that i had i would have ordinarily not gone for those books right like i said i love fiction but it was through that you know that i understood a lot of things so there was another thing that i came across um was the six hat thinking by edward d bono where uh, you know i don't want to obviously go into the details but it it basically allows everyone to think using a different hat and i think that allows people to see that there are different <coughs> sides to yourself also you know so yeah so i would say be open to other uh, other genres you know that will definitely help um so um for example let's say food writing right you might not i mean it it might not be something you naturally pick up but if you read other things it it sometimes gives you ideas that would ordinarily not come to you yeah yeah that that's that's so true michelle you know like i i i feel like i had the same journey that you had michelle you know like about so when i started reading i was really into sports when i was in high school and my one of my teachers gave me a book about the autobiography of a cricketer and uh, i was like you can read books about cricketers and i was like wow yeah. this is amazing and so i started <laughs> reading only sports books and the first book that i really got me hooked on to reading was this book called born to run and i think that in that sense you know our reading habits are also i really enjoy fiction but i prefer narrative non fiction you know like uh, like a story yeah. created around like a, even historical fiction is something i really enjoy but you know like even that that relationship to authors you know michelle building on just what you said like i struggled a lot with shakespeare you know we do shakespeare very briefly in high school in the in the school system that both of us were in but you know my relationship to shakespeare changed when when two things happened when i learned more about him okay number one and when i saw his writing in performance because somebody told me shakespeare was written to be performed and also the language i think there were three things it was so when he wrote in the time that he wrote latin was actually the more popular language right and he was writing in a language that was not as popular so he was actually someone that was not very recognized in his time right and uh, the beauty of his language is he writes in iambic pentameter right and to maintain that rhythm for the whole play i think that is like amazing in terms of what and i think as a poet even you probably write in certain and i think what poets do there in terms of maintaining that meter which 
which we can't go into too much depth in. I think Shakespeare did a really good job in that. But I think the most important thing that changed it for me was when I spoke to another actor who was doing a Hindi adaptation um, of one of Shakespeare's plays. And I think I saw one of these plays at uh, like a theater in Bombay, Prithvi Theater. And he told me that... Yeah, Prithvi is, is really famous, yeah. It is, yeah. And he told me that when he's reading the play, he tries to make sure the character that he's playing, he imbibes all of the qualities. And he's not always remembering the same dialogue. You know, he's innovating along the way and creating his own dialogue, depending on what the director let him do. And then I started watching more of Shakespeare on the screen. And then I was like, wow, this Shakespeare is actually really amazing because a lot of his plays, whether it's Hamlet or Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet, they deal with themes that are, you know, uh, universal, right? They are easily, which is why you see a lot of Shakespeare adaptations in other languages as well. And I didn't appreciate him as much when I was in university, you know, and it's more recently that that relationship actually evolved. And, and I think that, that evolved because, as you said, it's really important to be patient with, as a reader as well, right? Yeah. You know, start off with books that you're comfortable with and build on from there. So, Michelle, there are so many questions I want to ask you, but the last question that I'll probably stop here with, and then for more, you know, to actually understand Michelle's thinking, I'd really recommend continuing with the Books and Beyond podcast and also looking at her Substack newsletter and the literary magazine uh, that she uh, co like authored uh, that is available online. I'll put all of that in the show notes. But Michelle, you've done four seasons of, uh, you know, Books and uh, Beyond, and this was after your career um, in Bahrain, you actually yes. now, so can you tell us a little bit about this role? And once you tell us a little bit about your role at Bound, maybe tell us what you learned about writing by interviewing so many authors in these four seasons. I think there are more than 40 episodes, which are an hour long each in each in these yeah. four seasons. So what did, yeah. what is your role at Bound? And what did you learn about writing by talking to all these writers? Hmm. Okay, so uh, firstly, I think people will be curious, you know, from an HR role, how do you jump into a creative role? So I'd say it happened by accident. I uh, knew that we are leaving, my parents were retiring and, and coming down to India. And I was very anxious about looking for HR jobs because I knew uh, there's a big gap between HR jobs in, in the Middle East and, and in India, right? You need a different kind of skill set and all of that. I was really worried about it, but then I came across this vacancy and I applied. And then, like I said, you know, I was always into uh, the arts. So luckily that worked in my favor. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been an amazing, it, it's been the most amazing time of my life. The kind of work I've done in the past two years, I don't think I've done um, ever because you know how relaxed the kind of work life is in, in the Gulf, right? Over here, it's, it's pretty, pretty different. So I've had a very creatively stimulating, also very exhausting. Like, I mean, I wasn't prepared uh, for the kind of um, uh, demands a creative job has, right? So it, it, it is very demanding, very, because you have to create, uh, think of new things. And at the same time, you know, there's, I mean, quality and quantity at the same time. So uh, yeah, and, and the podcast is, is kind of like um, a dream come true because as, as I told you, I love interviewing writers. And uh, so... It just began because, you know, both Tara and I love books. Um, she's been an editor for many years and, and you know, both of us just, you know, started talking and we were wondering, you know, what does India lack? India lacks, I would say, you know, just a plain conversation about a writer, you know, they're just giving you that kind of respect 
uh, kind of understanding what is what is your support system right there there has been no support system for writers no infrastructure so it it began from that and and it's yeah we are four seasons old um and it's been a lot of fun um about writing what i've learned is one thing is you know abhishek rejections are very common in writing and that kind of validation that you get when you speak to another writer and when they say hey i've been through the same thing um maybe i've not learned something new as per se because sometimes you know when you're uh, when you're much into the job what i've realized is when you're into a project when you're doing it, it things might not be very clear to you right usually i understand things in retrospect so maybe 2 or 3 years down the line i'll i'll remember these episodes and understand oh you know like certain uh, bit from a certain conversation might come to mind but one thing that i would say has helped me is the validation the fact that that the journey has been very difficult for writers the fact that you know you keep going at it no matter what even though there are no uh, probably no monetary benefits or whatever so that is something that that i would say i loved and i've also and i generally love reading as you know so that's a, that's an excuse to read uh, for the podcast so i've read different kinds of authors authors that i might not ordinarily read um so reading them researching about them um and and then you know discussing them so it's kind of like buddy reading i've always wanted to have a buddy to with with whom you know i could read the same book and discuss so tara has been that buddy uh, reader for me and it's it's a lot of fun um and and more about my role so my role is not just this uh, but it it's pretty much a lot of things so there's a lot of people have this misconception that my role is just reading and writing it's it's not that it is sales it's management it's coordination it's it's i would say it's getting things done right because a lot of people think editors do only this right but my role at bound has always been a more wholesome a uh, thing it's a small team right it's a startup so it's more like getting things done making things happen so yeah i mean there have been days which have been very hectic um now i have a more relaxed um schedule but i've had the time of like time of my life um in in bound and i will suggest everyone to do internships i mean in general if you want to figure out whether you like the uh, such a thing i mean you can only Uh, learn so much from others experiences right like i mean you might hear about my experience and think oh it's it's amazing or you might think oh it it doesn't sound that great but unless you do it and unless you figure out for yourself i don't think it 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 really works you know with anything in life i mean yeah yeah when you know kudos to you for being so brave i think that transition to india actually allowed you to make that change but i think you yeah. you always you know were open to making that shift and i think that that is really amazing you know for anyone trying to and i think it it also shows like your journey michelle shows that it's possible to make these transitions you know like you know yeah. keep keep reskilling and and no knowledge is ever wasted right because a yeah. lot of your i mean you you really fed into that experience of growing up in the gulf and also your experience in the uh, in the mba and the bachelor of commerce program actually helped you in your current role as well you know in terms of understanding how your the business works and maybe even in future roles right so that's really amazing i know we're out of time michelle but to end the podcast we haven't ever done this before i was wondering if you know you'd be open to you know sharing one of your poems if that's possible oh. maybe like a okay. like a maybe not even one that's in the collection maybe something that you've okay. it doesn't have to be a poem um, it could be like even something you've written that you'd co- you're comfortable sharing okay i'll have to look for it now on my phone um that's okay take your time and we're not like in a hurry i okay, mean okay okay sure yeah 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 and if you and if you probably want to ask anything else i think we can like you know five more minutes or if there's anything i mean 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, let me just like take, we can take a couple of moments to actually reflect on everything you yes. said. And while you're looking, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll think of another sure. question. Sure. Yeah. Yes. So um, this is a poem I wrote recently, um, and uh, I so I've been thinking about the climate, you know, the climate change and all of that recently. Uh, I've also read. Uh, uh, sorry, I recently watched an adaptation called The Suicide Shop. Um, it's it's an adaptation from a French book. Um, okay, and it's it's set in this post, uh, you know, severe climate change. Uh, world and all of that, and and it's very depressing. I mean, I will not recommend it to to people to watch. But what I find interesting is there's a lot of um, engagement with climate change. Writers respond to climate change very differently. And I recently wrote a poem uh, because there was a call for for climate uh, change poetry. So I just wrote it, um, and I've been a little. I've been thinking about it a lot more. I've also spoke to Amitav Ghosh for his book, The Natmek's Curse, on our podcast. So that's also made me think a lot about that. And I live near mangroves. Um, in mumbai and i'm constantly surrounded by by birds you know they i wake up to their calls and and it's it's a very i mean nature uh, i'm surrounded by nature so that has made me think a lot about it um so i've written a small poem that i like to read out um was published online so it's called how to take a lizard seriously okay um so there's a lizard outside that closely watches everything and everyone how the sky has changed color on diwali how the trees have disappeared to make space for the metro, how we still use plastic in many ways, how humans want offsprings despite knowing what we are getting into. The lizard is at a safe distance from us. Only when it gets inside will we do something. As lizards are known to fall into open vessels, they are supposed to be poisonous, or so our ancestors have claimed. We are yet to test that theory. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so nice. I, yeah, I mean, just that comparison to you know lizards and climate change and you know uh, yeah. the questions that we also engage with, but also that really interesting observation about lizards falling into <coughs> like a vessel. I remember so, that that story. Uh, yeah, which no, one? No, Go ahead, because in Bombay, I remember one time in Mumbai, you know, there was a lizard in the house, and I was so scared that it's going to be in the house forever. You know, oh like, my gosh! Yeah, so yeah, I was just, like, it seems like they're there all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Like, how did this yeah, no, poem, so how, poem come about, Michelle? Yeah, so there was um, um, there was a lizard uh, uh, sometime back, like a lizard outside. Uh, 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 you know, this uh, we have this grill. You know, like there's this system in Bombay where you have a window and then you also have this mosquito net yeah. uh, that's there because you have a lot of mosquitoes here. So there was a lizard that kept visiting, kind of like outside. It never, it never entered the house, which I found very interesting. I would just keep staring at the staring at the lizard, and then I was thinking a lot about climate change, and I felt how you know, though it's just here, it's I mean, literally, it's around us you know that the world is going down this decline. 
you're not taking it seriously or at least i didn't i was always in this denial mode i was always in this denial phase where you know okay if it gets bad i'll i'll know uh, you know why why react now so i was thinking about how the way we think about lizards and they are everywhere right in mumbai um like for example if they are at a distance you are probably safe you know people don't really bother lizards otherwise i've not heard of of people like chasing lizards or killing them but it it's you're always worried whether they'll fall into you know a, a dish or an open vessel and and that's when it becomes a problem so i just kind of compared that to climate change saying that you know if it probably knocks at your door if it probably hap- something happens to you you know that's the only time you will take it seriously probably you know when you really see the effect of of you know probably using plastic or or whatever uh, but until then you're still going to be in that safe space you know in in your bubble so it was kind of like i wanted people to reflect on on you know climate change maybe not maybe not react or maybe not act because you know i i of course that's an individual choice you can't force somebody into activism you can't force someone to react it's, it's a personal choice but i thought that if i just plant that seed of thought that would probably lead to uh, something you know i think it starts with thinking yeah and i i love how you deconstructed that poem to actually you know tell us what you were trying to compare there but even that little line you had about how you know humans sometimes get offspring and then once they get it they realize what they really got into right so yeah, i think yeah. climate change is a very important topic for all of us and we don't have to wait for it to actually affect us to actually do something right yeah but yeah. but amazing so many different images in one poem i'd love to maybe have a chat with you in the future just deconstructing some of your poems michelle that would <laughs> oh, be oh i would love that that's so kind of you that would be really but for now i mean thank you so much for your time michelle um we really really thank appreciate you. it i think we learned so much in this conversation any last words michelle before we summarize oh, i mean um, what, no, what I was mean, what I... was it like being on the other side because you're always interviewing <laughs> So yes yes it feels good it feels great uh, i mean i think an interviewer really needs to uh, i mean and and like i think i told you earlier some interviews are just boring because you know that the interviewer is probably just trying to uh, complete a target or just trying to interview you for you know whatever reasons uh, but i really love it when an interviewer takes the time to understand you know your thought process and and the kind of research you've done it clearly shows um, and i and i i'm a big fan of your podcast i've seen other other shows and i love how you deconstruct every person's thoughts so i mean uh, for example we just interview writers right but i love how you you uh, look at people from all kinds of backgrounds right so you know now for example bound is also opening up things to like podcasters right so different people i mean you you find storytellers in different formats so videos audios all of that so i would i would say firstly thank you for thinking of me uh, for this and for making it an interesting chat like i just felt like you know we are having coffee and and just chatting it didn't feel uh, like it like a formal uh, interview as such so yeah i mean and then being on the other side is always better because it shows that you know your work um, also counts right because when you interview someone it's you're really genuinely interested in their work and and what they have done in life so yeah it was it was great thanks michelle you know i really appreciate those kind words and hopefully you know we've got you on the way up you know once you get so many more publications i think you won't have <laughs> as much time to do as many interviews but but thanks again for the listeners you know stay tuned for more such episodes from learning stories uh, with uh, more amazing guests in the near future until then i highly recommend following uh, michelle um, on any social media platforms i will link uh, some of her websites and work in the show notes and uh, reach out to her you know engage with her work the conversation does not 
stop over here and if possible please do buy a copy of her wonderful poetry collection gulf uh, i know you can buy an ebook online uh, on the yavnika press website yes. so i highly recommend getting that i think it's a beautiful collection of uh, poems that uh, really you know build on her experience uh, growing up in the middle east um so thank you and uh, until next time keep yeah learning. and i'll and i want to add something yeah please for all our listeners please do engage with abhishek's work as well because he's had such a rich uh, i would say journey right and like we were saying earlier the gap year that you've been just that gap year itself i think you've had so many experiences so yeah i would uh, recommend all our listeners to to engage with your work as well there's there's so much to learn thanks michelle